can't believe it's a whole year. Um, so being that this is my second sermon in that time, I have three men, three priests that I consider to be my clergy sponsors. And one of them may or may not have said, after hearing about how long my first sermon was, holy socks, 28 and a half minutes? Do you think you're John Chrysostom? So I'm going to try to keep it brief today. Um, today, um, we celebrate a feast, the Feast of All Saints of Great Britain and Ireland, or as some call it, All Celtic Saints Day. I want to share with you all these two stories uh, from the lives of Celtic saints, and I want to relate that to today. So, firstly, one of the things I, I realized was if I just give a sermon once a year on this day for the rest of my life, and I do that till I'm 90, I will still not have enough years to tell all the wonderful, fantastic stories of the lives of our forerunners, our, our brothers and sisters of the past, even just in the stories of the saints of Ireland. And so I hope for many years I can tell their stories. Um, the saints are often, we relate to something unique in their stories. So we look at their journey, we hear their tales, and in looking at their journeys, it illuminates our own journey. So first of all, the first story I'm gonna tell you about, I, I need to give a little bit of background. It's the 600s, it's Ireland. Um, it's been pretty much the people have been brought to Christ and are now becoming missionaries to the whole known world. Many, many pagan druids, they were kind of like a priestly, uh, priestly class of paganism, um, had come to faith. Many of them had even become abbots and teachers. You had a transition going on and there was a group of people that were part of uh, related to the Druid class known as bards. The bards were, a bard was uh, both kind of the historian, the poet, the musician, the storyteller of the people. It was a very special position. And there was at the time in Ireland debate and conflict between the position of bard and the faith. So Eventually, this, this conflict was solved by my patron, St. Saint, Saint Columba. But that is a story for another time. So why that's important to this backdrop is I'm going to share with you the story of a lesser saint known as St. Moling. So St. Moling was an abbot of a small monastery in Ireland. And St. Moling was uh, the kind of um, abbot that people in Athos would love, you know. He was austere, he was severe, he really loved his monks, he cared about their salvation, but he was incredibly strict. And one day, a monk was singing, walking along, and St. Saint, uh, Saint is like, what, why are you singing? And, and, he, and he goes, shouldn't, shouldn't I be able to sing? I'm, I'm glorifying God with my voice. He goes, no, not at all. There will be no singing in my monastery. Singing is what the bards do. It is enough for us to focus on chanting, doing our prayers, 
doing the service. Uh, we do not need the distraction of music. And he said, I'll have no singing in my monastery. And another day he was walking along and two monks were talking and they didn't see that their abbot, St. Moling, was, you know, just not fine, just happened to be walking by. And one of the monks said, you know, brother, I have to say I'm really excited that there's going to be apples on the next feast day. I, I love apples. In fact, I was thinking about apples all, the, all through the sixth hour. And St. Moling heard this and he goes, what, apples? You were thinking about apples instead of focusing on the worship of Christ? Well then, to save you and your brothers, there's no apples. You won't have any apples. And the monks were sad, but they did what they were told. So that night, St. Moling goes into his, his cell. And before his, 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 his prayer corner, he prays. Um, and he is a man who likes to focus on his prayer, give his whole attention to, to Christ. And he's praying. Is that a flute? What? I'm hearing singing. And he's like, what is this? Music in my monastery? And then, descending from the heavens, angels start singing behind him and by his side. And they start softly playing the harps. And St. Moling is like, go away. You're distracting me. I need to pray. And he picks, he picks some stuff up from the floor and he puts it in his ears and he's trying to cover it up. And the angels start singing louder and he's trying to focus on his prayers. And he's like, go away, you know. And, and even though they're angels, he wants them to leave because they're distracting him from his prayer with this horrible thing called music. And then the angels leave. They ascend to the heavens. And St. Moline goes, thank God I can focus on my prayers. And he's in the middle of his prayers, and shortly later, the angels descend, and they start playing. And he's like, oh, not this again. But this time, they start shrieking and singing off key, and the harps they're playing, they take stones and go, and he's like, ah, this is awful, this is horrible, why are you doing this to me? And they ascend the heavens, and he goes, oh, oh, that's not music, that's just pain, and he's like, okay, maybe now I can pray, and he's praying, and then the angels come down again, and he's like, oh no, exactly, <laughs> where's this going, and they very softly sing. And he's able to pray while they're singing. They ascend to the heavens. And the next day, St. Moling got up. And he said, brothers, forgive me. There will be singing in this monastery. We will have a choir. And from that day forth, the monastery of St. Moling was known as a place of great choirs, welcome singing to the glory of God. In fact, rumor had it, that he would even occasionally take in a wandering bar in hospitality. So what does this story illustrate? I think it illustrates to us a few points. One of those points is we all have gifts. Some of us can sing, some of us can dance, some of us, there's so many gifts, uh, unlimited amount of gifts. 
we are not to judge other people's gifts. A gift may appear to us to be something small, something petty, something odd, something ridiculous, but we're actually called to not judge. In fact, we're called to celebrate those things that we do, those things that we love. Even if we don't understand them, try to have a support for those in other people. This brings us closer together as a community. We can particularly rejoice when somebody brings their gift and decides to give that gift and try to serve God with it. Then, indeed, we rejoice. In that, this builds a closer community. It also helps us share Christ with the greater community. When you can celebrate somebody's gift that doesn't know about the faith, it's a building block. It's a relationship. The second thing that this story illustrates, which is very important, is our faith, our life in Christ, the Holy Orthodox Church, it is not in conflict with our faith, beauty and pleasure are in no way in conflict with our faith. We have a God who enjoys the feast with us. We have a God who celebrates beauty. In fact, the ultimate true beauty and true pleasure is present in when we worship God. That is true beauty. True pleasure is to be found in praising Him. So, the second story I would like to share is the story of three anonymous monks. It was a very small monastery. Three are ye, three are we, three lovely monks. An old monk, a middle-aged monk, and a young monk living somewhere probably in the interior of Ireland. We don't know their names. One thing we do know is they probably were about as organized when it came to running their monastery as a monastery would be organized if I was in a monastery. They were not particularly good at making sure they had the right supplies. It just didn't seem to occur to them to worry about the pragmatics of running things, making sure you had the proper larder. So, anyways, one day, a traveling monk came during Lent to this little monastery, and they were delighted. These monks loved to give hospitality. They welcomed him in warmly. Come, worship with us. They, they did the hours together. Things, things went smoothly and said, come, eat with us. And so the young monk started preparing a meal and then he went to the elder and he said, Father, we, uh, we don't have any vegetables. He's like, oh, we have no vegetables? It's Lent. He's like, no, I know. Uh, well, how about bread? No, no, we have no grain. Well, what do we have? Um, we have a lot of fresh and dried meat. I, I don't know why. Oh dear. Okay, so what are we going to offer the guest? I, 
And the, and the elder monk says, we will just have to give them what we have. So they laid out the table. They brought the food out. And the traveling monk was horrified in the middle of Lent to see these monks offering him plates of meat. And he's like, what? How dare you? What kind of monks are you? This is insanity, you know. You, 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 you do not keep the fast. Um, how can you consider yourself monks? You're unclean. You're all three of you. You are unclean. You know, I should leave. This is disgusting. This is awful. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should repent. It would be better for you to starve than to eat this. And he stopped raving for a moment. And the elder monks to him said, well, let us at least pray to God for the food. And he said, grace over the meal. And all the food on all the plates turned into vegetables. <laughs> Lovely little leeks and carrots and no potatoes because there weren't potatoes yet. Um, and the monks were like, glory to God. And the young monk was like, wow. And the middle-aged monk was like, this is, this is wonderful. Glory to God. And they looked smilingly at their guests and said, we can eat now. God has done a miracle. And that traveling monk said, I will not eat this. This was meat. I don't care what I see before my eyes. You're all sinners. You know what? I brought my own food in my bag. So I'll have proper monastic fasting food. And he pulled out his vegetables at the table and he threw the plate of food that had that had been offered to him on the ground. And as he started biting into the vegetables, to the horror of the other monks, they saw that it had turned into meat, dripping, uncooked, raw, bloody meat. So what does this story illustrate? Quite a lot. First of all, it illustrates... We are not to judge each other's fast. Uh-uh. Now, that's not to say and that there is economy in the fast. We, we need to rejoice in that. We also, when we receive hospitality during fast periods from family or friends, we receive gratefully what is there. Now, I'm not saying we take advantage of this. For instance, it's Lent. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, Mom, how's it going? Hey, Jim, how are you? Well, you know, it's Lent. We're preparing for Easter. That's good. Hey, Jim, are you coming over for dinner next week? Yes, Mom, I am. What, you want me to make a suggestion of what you should have? Oh, you know, I think Uncle Dave really likes filet mignon and maybe a beef wellington and a side of lamb ribs. Uh, just a suggestion. Bye, Mom. I'm not saying we go to that extreme. That, that's going a little far. Um, but... We take what we're given. Um, we receive and we give hospitality. Um, and, and we rejoice in it, no matter, no matter what's given to us. Um, the other thing that this, this story illustrates is the importance of hospitality. These monks' hearts were in the right place. We are called... To, to give hospitality um, and not and if we are in a place where we have an opportunity we don't even judge our own hospitality if we don't seem to have 
what's appropriate to offer, offer anyways. If it's just crackers and jam or, you know, you have whatever, whatever you have and glorify God that you can. Don't judge another's hospitality and also whatever somebody wants to bring to church, whatever, whatever somebody is, um, no matter what, if you see somebody offering, don't judge their offering. Rejoice that they are offering <coughs> anything. So the other thing about hospitality, it's core to our faith. Very shortly, we are about to receive a hospitality that is beyond all comprehension, beyond all understanding, beyond any hospitality. It is the chalice, the fountain, the root of all hospitality. And that is communion, the Eucharist where Christ himself gives himself to us. And we become one with him in the body of blood and body and blood of Christ. This is the hospitality of hospitalities in which all hospitalities are shared. And I think the gospel reading today does illustrate the good heart of these monks. How maybe they weren't prepared the way they should have been to receive guests, but they didn't, they gave what they could. As the scripture says, do not be anxious, in Matthew 6, do not be anxious saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? It is the Gentiles who seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek you first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And do not judge in order not to be judged, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. So, in closing, I want to share a little verse from the Acathist of the Thanksgiving, which illustrates the profound hospitality. Um, I just, I love, I love this. If you have a chance to read the Acathist of the Thanksgiving, if you have a chance to pray it, it, it's, 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 it's incredible. Um, so, O oh Lord, how lovely it is to be your guest. Breeze full of scents, mountains reaching to the skies, waters like boundless mirrors reflecting the sun's glorious golden rays and the scudding clouds. All nature murmurs mysteriously, breathing the depth of tenderness. Birds and beasts of the forest bear the imprint of your love. Blessed are you, Mother Earth. Let your fleeting loveliness, which wakens our yearning for happiness, that will last forever. In the land where, amidst beauty that grows not old, we cry out, Alleluia. So, Christ 
our Lord and God, the host of the feast, the king of hospitality, he knocks on the door of all our hearts and he asks us to open it. He loves us. He loves you. And in the end, there will be no end. But there will be the eternal hospitality of living forever and the delightful union and presence of our Lord and God and each other for eternity in the banquet and joy and light of the heavenly kingdom. Amen.